Well, his ears would have been burning, wouldn't they, Robbie Lang? I'm just saying how good it is, you know, after all your dramas and whatever, and here you're back training two winners in the space of a week on the Metro circuit. Well done, Robbie. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, um, we didn't really lose focus. We still got up at uh, 3 o'clock of the morning and fed the same and worked the same, and we were just like a footy coach, just waiting for the good players to come through. But it's good that a couple of your really close friends, we know that a lot of friends evaporated, you were telling us last time, but some really loyal, close, genuine people stuck by you and got some nice horses, El Soliado and, of course, uh, Hey Fat Cat winning last Wednesday. Yeah, well, the, uh, Colin and Kevin Bamford, uh, uh, my old man, Eddie, trained for them in the mid-'80s. They had a horse called Hennessy Road uh, with some uh, people from Vizzy Board. Um, and then that translated through to me ringing them when Roman Arch had to be bought uh, urgently. And that was six weeks before the Australian Cup, which he duly won. And I've trained horses on and off for Colin and Kevin right since then, which was that was 2004. So when uh, they heard I had to be ticket back, uh, the first horse through the door was this big horse by Toronado to break in. So got the old um, breaking in gear out and tied his head down and drove him and broke him in and thought he was a lovely horse right from the kickoff. And he's now won four from 13 and Mark Zara's ridden him on both, for the, both those wins, Flemington and Caulfield. He wanted to over-race a bit too on the weekend, so a good effort. Yeah, well, he tried something different in the barriers. He's been missing the kick and he said he just got him to move his head left and right, left and right. Instead of uh, when we're apprentices, we're taught to have the horses right up in the crease, you know, ready to bounce. And that's what he did at Flemington. He trotted out. So Mark said he just had him sort of weaving uh, from side to side. And as the gates opened, he just said he just bounced. And he said he pulled pretty hard. He was four and five wide midfield and didn't look good. But uh, when he he bowled forward, slotted in, one out, one back, he travelled traveled like a winner a long way from home. Yeah, first go at 1800 and they bet $11. <laughs> yeah, maybe they thought I couldn't train a stayer. So what will you do with him, Al Soliato? Oh, not, no, no rocket science uh, needed at all, uh, Steve. Uh, benchmark 80 over 2,000 at Flemington Saturday week. Yeah, I haven't, I, often haven't, well, I haven't spoken about your dad previously with you. Was he a lot like you, Eddie Lang? Yeah, he wasn't as silly as me. No, he was more grounded and, uh, what should I say, more systematic than me. Um, um, yeah, pretty random sort of a bloke. So where did you get uh, that from, your mum? I don't know. I think sometimes when things are uh, forced upon you in life, you go a little bit the opposite. Um, yeah, I remember when Dad was having a, a, a stint on the sidelines there. I took over his stable. And he got to the stable and he said, don't you know what a bloody broom looks like? I said, I haven't got time to be sweeping. I'm working too many horses. <laughs> but he had, he had some very good horses. Um, in the early 80s, uh, we had a, a block of land. It was an acre behind the Carrum Railway Station. And except for Tuesdays and Saturdays where we galloped at Epsom, I rode every horse. Sometimes we had someone to help us, another rider. And uh, we only had 12 in work. But I don't think we went to a country track for more than two years. We had uh, Ben Criado was actually mine. I bred him when I was 17. And then in the next yard to Ben Criado was Corbo. The only sprinter around that would beat him would be Manicato. But he, he was the champion sprinter of 81, 82. We had the best uh, sprinting mare in Australia, Countess Maritza, around the back in a paddock. Next to her was my first group one, 
winner, perfect bliss. And in the paddock next door, we had it was only a spare block of land. We thought it was ours, it wasn't. Um, was the Caulfield Cup winner, Taxan, and the best steeplechaser in Victoria, he won the Hifkins, uh, Learmont Lad. So by the time you threw in Saxon Slough and Sky Castle and a few others, we had a pretty select team of horses. And a lot of those horses wouldn't have been expensive at all, bread and butter type horses. Oh, that's right. A lot of them are bred by uh, their owners and uh, dad never had the luxury of going and buying. A couple of years he bought some nice horses, but never more than three or four. And and, and in, and in that regard, I've uh, followed suit. I've, I've never had the luxury to buy any more than two or three horses at sales. In fact, most sales I go to, I just pick out one. And uh, that includes horses like Pantani, Serpentire, Sosi Bond, Miss Rock, Polanski for $4,000, Stars of Carum, he was the only one we bought that year. Hey Fat Cat was the only horse I bought at that sale last year. So uh, make you really concentrate. When you when you only got one to buy, you look at nearly every horse and got to be a little bit uh, uh, forgiving with pedigree sometimes. And sometimes, uh, you know, the mare might have a good strike rate. You got to you got to think to yourself, well, this is a lovely horse. Maybe your other foals before weren't as good a type. So uh, anyway, we've 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 done okay with our one our single purchases. I was so sad to read that last week about stars of Caram dying. Yeah, well, Stasi Karam died, and the owner, Peter Cox, who I played footy with, a few years older than me, he was so in love with the horse. Uh, and then when he when he passed away at the track, just trotting and cantering, he stumbled and he'd had a, a coronary. And Dad said to me years ago, tell your owners straight away, if a horse has a fatal fall or, or whatever passes away, it won't get better during the day. So pick the phone up and tell them straight away. So... I had a, I'm on Prism, who, which does an update, an email to all your owners at any time of the day. And I picked the uh, phone up and did my Prism update and explained how, uh, worst possible news, uh, team, we've lost our horse. So Peter must have got that news and, God, he must have been so heartbroken. And three weeks later, he's out there at Mooney Valley sprinkling his ashes and probably with a tear in his eye. He jumped in his car, got to the first set of traffic lights had a massive coronary and died. Really? Yeah, yeah you tell people, you go, yeah, where's the punchline? I go, no, that's, that's what happened. Oh, my jeez, where's? Of course, yeah. he put them at Mooney Valley because of the, he was a Vars winner there before yeah, the derby. Yeah. yeah, he won the Vars, and um, that was his only win. How old well, was he? Roy? He just turned, uh, the owner? Yes. Oh, he was very old. He was 69. Well, that's not old these days, jeez. <laughs> no, he's very, very active too. He's, That's a tragic situation. Got a, yeah, got a video of himself with his shorts and his thongs on. Um, bit of a bit of a beach bum. Actually, he used to be the top sports photographer for the age. He won photographer of the year uh, back in the eighties and what have you. What's his name, Robbie? Peter Cox. Peter Cox. Okay. Yeah, he was married. He, he was actually his first wife was uh, Miss Australia, Beverly Pinder. And uh, I was having a chat to her at the funeral the other day. Oh. Yeah. Gee, oh, that's stars of Karen. Just with um, El Soliato we touched on, now, that horse, a hey, fat cat, who's back-to-back wins, sale and sand down, is he going to be seen next weekend? Or 
Well, he's in the autumn stakes uh, yep. on Saturday. And what the opposition are going to have to put up with is a, a very good galloper who's very fit. These ones are the first up from a spell, obviously. Their trainers will have them somewhere near right. But uh, this bloke, he's a big free-running fella, third run-in. Um, if I give him any uh, easy section, I'll, I'll be, I'll be flat-picking him up. Yeah, well, he's, he makes his own luck as well. He's been outside lead for those two wins as well. Yeah. It's a big advantage. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's Hay Fat Cat by Rubik. And Jack was in the winner's circle, which was great as well, last Wednesday, your son. Um, just back to that situation, and we know it was really tough. How, lo- how low did it actually get? Did it get to the point where you thought, I'm never going to be involved in racing again? Like, No, I never, ever thought that Never way. thought that. Okay. No, whether it's silly of me to think that way or not, but I just stayed pretty focused. And you know, with the old man being in racing since the, he was apprenticed to... Des McCormick in 1945, and he sort of explained to me, he said, listen, when you're under RVL rules, sometimes your rules, you, you think you've got it wrong, but it's their, it's their uh, board game, and they just abide by them. So uh, they saw fit to stand me aside. I don't know whether they intended me to be out for two years. I, was, I, was, I wasn't suspended. I was just put aside until finances could be remedied, and... Uh, uh, we took a, we we're going to go to uh, VCAT, and because of COVID, there was no VCAT available for two years. So, what might have been a three month slap on the wrist or a six month penalty, and turned out I didn't train a horse for two years. Mm. I noticed one of your two year olds trialed well yesterday by Snitzel. Is it Pierce? Yeah, Pierce. Yep. Gee, he's nice horse. Yeah, yeah, another one that uh, I'd only wouldn't have him except for the. Uh, what should I say? Um, Jerry Harvey just was so cooperative with me, me and my situation. Uh, I, he passed a couple in Adelaide and sent them to me, and then I had a bit of luck and syndicated them, and probably showed a bit of dash. He passed that one in for two hundred and forty, and I rang and I said, "Do the same with that one, Jerry." And he goes, "What?" And I said, "Send him down, and I'll syndicate him." He said, oh, I want 250 for him. I said, yeah, that's all right. Anyway, I had to do lots of phoning and paraded him plenty of times. And uh, yeah, he's a lovely colt anyway. Um, he was well worth it. And uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very good galloper. He's always shown us top-grade ability. Yesterday, we planned to bounce, put him in behind a few and teach him to run to the line. But he's ended up, he's run four-tenths slower than Bella Nipotina and uh, Imperatrice. But he's, he's done it all himself. He bowled along in front with his ears pricked, quickened, and went to the line just with Craig just sitting there. And he's run 45.2, pulled up an absolute treat. So he goes to the prelude on Saturday. Yeah, so he's at one start down the straight in the Maradong trial. That's Sir Pierce. Yep. Thanks, Robbie. Great to see you, mate. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Robbie Lang. Hey, Fat Cat, as we mentioned Wednesday, El Soliato, $11 there, four-year-old. You know, Hey, Fat Cat's a three-year-old. And as I said, Jack Lang was in the winner's circle there as well last Wednesday, albeit Jack's horse was lucky to win, but that's racing. Um, I'm just going back to that was the protest situation, which I was sort of scratching my head. But anyway, um, it's all to do with the situation. I thought it was a great ride um, on <laughs> Fine Rebel. Taylor Childs, young girl, kept uh, one of the best of very senior jockey, Daniel Stackhouse, in a pocket. Um, and that horse should have won. Charest ended up running, you know, uh, being promoted to second. But, you know, I thought it was just a case of Taylor holding the horse in. Um, Charest on fine rebel, but 
Anyway, none of them ended up winning it. Elope did, but uh, for Jack Lang at six. But it's the horse that clearly should have won. Sure is. Uh, maybe worth following. Trained by uh, Jared Maloney. It's a, it's a Churchill.